This is Express FM. Supported by Portsmouth College. We are passionately Pompey. That's the final action of this match. Portsmouth are going to Wembley. Can it be forced in? It can! Portsmouth have scored! And what a huge goal that could be! Pure, unadulterated Pompey. With the talent and the players that we've got and the ambition, I think there's no reason why we can't put our minds to promotion. Action and reaction. We've been in League One for too long and there's no guarantee, but you know there's a real sense of urgency and ambition to gain promotion. Giving Pompey fans a voice. No more looking back now for football. We're going to try to create something that's really exciting. This is the Football Hour. The one team that stands out, that's historic, that's had great success, that has a fan base that is amazingly passionate, is Portsmouth. Another week of disappointment for the Blue Army. And the frustration is brought to an end of the booze or what you can hear away to our left-hand side as Portsmouth slipped to a defeat in League One here at Adams Park. Wickham Wanderers have beaten them by two goals to nil. Defeat at Wickham last Sunday saw Pompey slump down to eighth in League One with Danny Cowley's side now without a league win in their last five attempts. They were scheduled to take on Accrington Stanley away from home tomorrow afternoon, but that meeting has today been postponed on account of a frozen pitch at the Crown Ground. But the show must go on, and here on the Football Hour between now and 7 o'clock, we will be talking a little bit about Pompey before moving on to preview a big weekend of World Cup quarter-final action, including England's clash with France on Saturday evening. We'd still love to hear from you back home too tonight, Blues and England fans. How do Pompey get out of this slump they're in? Who do you think should start for the three Lions tomorrow night? And are you still somewhat confident of football coming home? Or will the reigning world champions prove to be a test too tough for Gareth Southgate's side? Get in touch. It's 81400 on the text. Start those messages with the word express. You can email sport at expressfm.com, include at expressfm on Twitter, or head on over to facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. Plenty still to come despite Pompey's postponement here on the Football Hour. This is the Football Hour, 93.7 Express FM. Good evening, one and all, and welcome to the Football Hour here on 93.7 Express FM, which is, as ever, supported by Stagecoach Across the South. Download their app today from either the Apple app or Google Play Store to locate your nearest stop and even prepay for your ticket too. Well, tonight's show was supposed to be a preview of the Blues League One clash with Accrington Stanley at the Crown Ground. However, that game was this morning postponed, with the pitch suffering overnight from the frost up north and is now unplayable. Too frozen for a safe game of football to be played. That game will therefore need to be rearranged for a midweek sometime after the new year. But good news for you tuning in. This does not mean the cancellation of the football hour. Instead, we shall talk a bit about Pompey before coming on to look ahead to a big weekend of World Cup quarter-final action, as well as review what has happened in Qatar since our last episode on Monday. However, before any of that, a reminder, if you needed one, of what happened last time out for Danny Cowley's side. Everything we do is passionately pumping. A wonderful goal! Every second of the action is right here. Shoot scores! 90 minutes of passionately pompey commentary. He scored! This is... You want to believe it! Pompey Live. It's a cold early December afternoon and there might be a big football match taking place somewhere a bit warmer this evening. But view that as the dessert. This is your main course today with Pompey in League One. Here we are, underway, and Clark Robertson, the Portsmouth captain, has the ball at the back. 
Long and forward. Wickham win the first header, loose second ball. It's flicked on into the area. Danger for Pompey, shot comes in and Wickham score. It's Addis Messi who smashes it past Josh Griffith into the net. And it's hard to disagree that given how they've played in this opening quarter hour, that they don't deserve that. It's Wickham 1, Portsmouth nil. Loose in the penalty area, Mehmeti picks it up down by the dead ball line. Mehmeti pulls it back, loose in the six-yard box. A complete mess, still there, and Griffiths, well, he's fouled, he didn't get the ball. Foul committed on him by Wing, and it's a Portsmouth free kick. But they got lucky before then, 1-0. Ball towards the box. A loose, great chance for Wickham. Oh, they make a horrible, horrible mess of it. It's for Metti with the chance to make it too. He had time to take a touch and he snatches it and it's easy for Griffith. Hume for Pompey. He's going to go long, looking towards Bishop. Nods it down, finds Scarlett. 30 yards out, centrally placed. Dane Scarlett, he can be dangerous here. Scarlett shoots straight at the goalkeeper and it's hacked away. Scarlett once more, edge of the box. Scarlett, what can he make here? Looks for Hackett. Hackett shot, good save. Another Pompey corner, better from the men in green. And Wickham will not rush anything because they're two and a half minutes away from a victory here against Pompey. And they're on the attack with Mametti, the danger man, coming towards the penalty area. Mametti trying to get past Robertson. Mametti, square ball. McCleary, 2-0, game over. McCleary rolls it into the corner. And Portsmouth will be going home from Adams Park with nothing. Mametti causing the problems again. Rolled it across. And Gareth McCleary gets his fourth of the season. It's Wickham 2, Portsmouth nil. Well, Danny Cowley will keep looking for the formula, but the three at the back had fairly mixed results today. And the frustration is brought to an end. of the boos or what you can hear away to our left-hand side as Portsmouth slip to a defeat in League One here at Adams Park. Wickham Wanderers have beaten them by two goals to nil. Every second of the action is right here. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. A reminder there of Pompey's 2-0 defeat to Wickham last weekend at Adams Park, a result which sent the Blues down to 8th in League One standings after 18 games. Alongside me this evening to go through the week's Pompey news and to look ahead to tomorrow's World Cup quarter-final, I'm pleased to say joining me is one-third of the three lads in the pub, Mr Jeff Harris. Jeff, howdy. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. I'm not too bad. Um, slightly different surroundings for yourself. You're back on the footblower. How are things with the podcast? They sound like they're going great. Yeah, really well. They're going, you know, we're getting 4,000 downloads a week. I think we're back in the top 50 on Apple charts. And yeah, it's going really well. If you haven't given it a listen, you probably have. But if you haven't, go find them uh, on Spotify or your usual uh, podcasting sites. Three lads in the pub, Liam, Ryan and Jeff do a fantastic job uh, on that one. Alongside us tonight, we have the one and only Josh Sweetman as well. Josh, thank you for calling in, my friend. I wouldn't quite say one and only, but it's a pleasure as always, Jake. <laughs> you are the one and only. I don't think there's many more Josh Sweetmans out there. It's quite a unique name. We'll take it. Um, we will, we will, we will. Um, look, Josh Pompey away at Wickham last Sunday, a 2-0 defeat. And we, we try to take the positives out of games as, as much as we can. Even in defeat, we try to see the positives. But if we're being completely honest, was was there any to, to take from Adams Park? Is it just complete, ugh, we, we, we forget about that one, we, we move on to the next. I think the biggest uh, positive I took away from it was that Wickham were nearly 2-1 to one to win. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, I, I think, looking back at it, I think the first half was one of the worst performances I've seen in a long time from from not only a Danny Cowley team, but from a Pompey team. It almost felt like we were watching 
the end of the Kenny Jacket era. I think trying to play three at the back, which just didn't work. Wickham were running in behind every time. Um, and, and for me, the, the biggest criticism I had, I didn't, I don't mind three five two. I'm not a big fan of four four two. But if we're playing with wing backs, you have to play Denver Hume. You have to have an attacking outlet out wide because we simply didn't, and we just couldn't keep the ball. We couldn't get any anything going forward, and it it just looked so stale. And it looked like a team who really, frankly, were towards the bottom of the table, and rightly so, like us at the moment, haven't won once in almost three months now so I think we were better in the second half and we tried to get the ball into the box and it was it was a refreshing but uh, we were miles off it unfortunately now uh, one win in the last 10 in League One for Pompey now eighth uh, in the League One standings one win in the last 10 uh, really does uh, you know stand up for, for, for grim reading for for Danny Cowley's side going back to Sunday Jeff and uh, as Josh has alluded to there the, the wing back um, situation that we found ourselves in Owen Dale perhaps um, w- w- within some periods of that game found himself on the right hand side Michael Morrison too uh, with Conor Ogilvy on the left Zach Swanson missing the match due to a stomach injury that proved to be quite a quite a big loss for, for Danny Cowley didn't it he's come leaps and bounds I think yeah definitely you know and, and to reinforce what Josh said if you're going to play 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 you need pacey out and out wing bats and we were a different side when Denver Hume came on don't get me wrong I love Conor Ogilvy you know he's a player I've wanted at Pompey for numerous seasons before he actually came Denver Hume, he, he's got that, you know, as soon as he comes on, he's attacking, he's whipping the balls in, he's looking near post, he's looking, you know, penalty spot and far post with his crosses. It's just unfortunate all three right-backs in the club are, are injured at the moment. And we saw Owen Dell play there, um, you know, in brief spells against Ipswich and um, MK Dons in the Cup. You know, asking Owen Dell to do a defensive shift for 90 minutes, I think it was a bit too much. You know, it takes away his attacking threat and, wh- and where he's dangerous in that final third, wanting to do one, 1v1s. one But look, it, you know, if you haven't got a right back in there and you go in 3-5-2, it, it was a gamble. But as we saw in the beginning of the season, when he put Conor Ogilvy in at right back, why didn't he just revert back to four at the back and put Conor Ogilvy at right back and Clark Robinson left back. Okay, we all we all moaned about it, but we were moaning about it because he not only done it for one game is, is fine. Two games, you'll probably get away with it. When you do it consistently, that's when Pompey fans were moaning. And I think if we had known all three right backs were injured prior to the game, we wouldn't have minded Ogilvy playing right back in that situation because you can kind of understand it. It's when it's that, that prolonged player out players out of position. Look, there's no getting away with it. We were really poor first half. We kind of played better in the second half, but it was still poor. Um, and if you if the players cannot get themselves up when there's 2,000-odd Pompey fans in the away end, if they cannot get themselves up for a game, then I don't know what will get them up for a game. 
We mentioned Zach Swanson injured for the trip uh, to Wickham Wanderers. We did have uh, Michael Jacobs join us on Pompey Live for the, uh, the build-up of that game at Adams Park. And he revealed that a return for him is somewhat in the near future. Training with the boys uh, the last three or four days. And um, I think this game was probably maybe a couple of days too quick for me. So I think uh, on, another, on another day it might have, I might have been just fine for it. But um, I think a, a week's training sort of leaning into Atkinson will be, will be good for me. And, and hopefully I'll be back out there at next uh, next week at some point. Well, that was Michael Jacobs speaking to us on Pompey Live last weekend for the trip uh, to Wickham Wanderers, saying that he could be returning for tomorrow's trip to Accrington Stanley. However, today we've been made aware that that game at the Crown Ground has been postponed on account of a frozen pitch um, up in Lancashire. So Michael Jacobs, although nearing a return for Pompey, will not be featuring this weekend because none of the players will, because there is no game to look forward to. Josh, Michael Jacobs returning uh, somewhat soon we hope um, will, will be a massive boost for Danny Cowley it will and I think uh, my biggest issue with Pompey at the moment and it has been for the last three or four months is we are just devoid of creative ability and we just never look like we're going to create chances I know we've done it in the cup but in the league games you, I've sat there and thought where that we don't get the ball into the box and that, this is why I'm a big Denver Hume fan because he goes for and he gets the ball into the box constantly but Jacobs, Jacobs is a player that perhaps doesn't have the speed, but his technical ability and sort of ability to find that cutting-edge pass is of championship quality, and there's no doubting that. So <coughs> he will be a big, big threat to the opposition if he's fully fit, but that is the big thing. If A, he's fully fit, and B, he can stay fit. If he stays fit, then for me, he's one of the first names on the team sheet because I don't think the likes of Curtis are really are, are really sort of putting in the performances that we know that they can at the moment. Uh, looking ahead to December then, we know that tomorrow's game at Accrington has been postponed due to a frozen pitch at the Crown Ground. Uh, uh, Accrington owner Andy Holt putting out a statement this morning. Um, yeah, uh, and that game will, will be going ahead later in the season, probably a Tuesday night, which um, adds to a, a difficult schedule of midweek fixtures away from home for Danny Cowley's side. As this week, we've heard that the games against uh, Barnsley and Fleetwood, with Fleetwood support supposed to be taking place on the week commencing uh, the weekend commencing the 7th of January that's been called off due to the FA Cup um, progression of both sides um, that game will be played on Tuesday the 24th of January and the trip to Barnsley which was t- uh, supposed to take place back in September of this year uh, has been moved to Tuesday the 7th of March that game of course postponed uh, as a mark of respect following the loss of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. Um, the game against Bolton at Frasson Park has been moved to Tuesday, the February the 28th. And, of course, we trip to Tottenham Hotspur in the FA Cup Saturday, the January 7th. That is a 12.30 kickoff at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Accrington tomorrow, then, Jeff, called off and the right decision, as we can see the, the pitch is circulating on social media. The pitch is absolutely rock solid completely frozen and a, a call made very early on to save any Pompey fans making the journey tomorrow and being disappointed once they get up there. Yeah, it's the right decision. You, you know, we we bemoaned, uh, I think it was last season or maybe the season before, being late decisions with, with regards to Atkinson and, and the frozen pitch. Um, it's, it's quite ironic that I've seen a couple of the people who I remember moaning about the late decision of it being called off and now moaning that it's too early to call it off. You know, you can't please some people, but that's football, as I say. But look, it it, it, it gives us an extra few days to get some 
get the injured players back, you know, hopefully not pick up any more injuries. Um, I'm sure Pompey will train Saturday, maybe Sunday with the, uh, you know, the EFL game on, on Tuesday. Uh, so, yeah, so look, it's, it's, it's a welcome break, but ideally we, you know, it would have been good to play. I, I would have yeah. just, I said on the podcast or the Twitter space that we'd done on Tuesday that I just felt if we had, if we had lost to Atkinson, I think the Boo Boys would have been out in force at Fratton Park against MK Dons. Uh, so, you know, there is a bonus for, for us not playing tomorrow. Yeah. Um, looking ahead to the December schedule for the Blues, then Stevenage at home on Tuesday. That is this coming Tuesday, the 13th of December. That is a Papa John's Trophy uh, knockout stage tie against Stevenage. Just three wins away from Wembley are, are the Blues uh, in the Papa John's Trophy. One more league game before Christmas next Saturday, the 17th of December against uh, MK Dons at Fratton Park. And then, of course, we Boxing Day trip to St. James's Park to take on Exeter City. And the last game of 2022, Thursday, the 29th of December at home to Ipswich Town. They commence 2023 on Sunday the 1st of January at home to Charlton Athletic. Uh, the Poppy women are away at Dartford on Sunday in the FA Cup, so we wish them all of the best in that one. Jay Sadler's side making the trip to Dartford uh, on Sunday afternoon, 2 o'clock kickoff there. Right, after the break, we will be back with even more of the football discussion. However, we'll be moving on from the Blues and focusing on the free lines. Gareth Southgate will lead England out against France in just over 24 hours' time. And that's the game myself, Jeff Harris and Josh Sweetman will be looking ahead to next. This is the Football Hour, 93.7 Express FM. The new Stagecoach Flexi 5, a bus ticket that works when you do, for those who travel often, but not every day. These new flexible bus tickets are available as Flexi 5, bundles of five day riders for the price of four, and Flexi 10, bundles of 10 day riders for the price of seven. Flexi tickets are now available to download via the Stagecoach bus app. Download Flexi 5 or Flexi 10 from Apple App Store or Google Play today. For more information, visit stagecoachbus.com. This is the Football Hour 93.7 Express FM. Welcome back to the Football Hour here on Express FM, brought to you by Stagecoach Across the South. You join us here on part two, where we will now be looking ahead to a busy weekend of action in the World Cup quarterfinals and previewing England's big tie against reigning world champions, France. It's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming, football's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming, football's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming, football's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming, football's coming. Final kick in a Moscow and Turin. The blokes seem curse whatever they're trying. I think I know why they're just jinxed in July. But it's December. Christmas tree formation 
Actually, I won't because I've got alcohol issues. Three lines on a sleigh. You were made still cleaning. A football Christmas song. Not at all demeaning. What a cracker of a game. England are giving them a real good stuffing. Ding dong, merrily on sky. Oh no, it's not on sky. Has to be terrestrial, doesn't it? For legal reasons. All I want's the World Cup. Don't bother wrapping it up. Badiel and Skinnever with their updated version of Three Lines, released prior to this 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Not quite uh, as good, I don't think, as the original version of a Three Lines song back in the 90s. Jeff, uh, I can't comment too much on that one uh, at the time. I wasn't born. I believe you, you were. You, you were around, weren't you? The, the Euro 96. <laughs> I know I was born by then, yeah. <laughs> it was a couple of years before before I was around. But um, yeah, no, the, the Three Lines song, it, it, it does get you hyped up, doesn't it? For, for a major it tournament, does, particularly you know, for a quarterfinal. That, that European... Euro 96, I was actually at Wembley for one of the games and actually oh. the, the, the buzz and euphoria going around, but it, it the whole of the old Wembley, there was something, you know, for me, nostalgic and magical about the mm. old Wembley, but just seeing the three Lions it, when, when the England team came out against Spain, it was absolutely phenomenal. Certainly an occasion I, I wish I could have been around to see Jeff, but England this time around, they're in the quarterfinals of the World Cup. Last year, 2021, the delayed Euro 2020 at Wembley, they reached the final of that competition. Unfortunately, we all know losing on penalties uh, to uh, Italy in the end, who themselves didn't actually qualify for the World Cup, and the curse of uh, winning the Euros continues. But Jeff, England will be looking for a bit of redemption, not just for the past 56 years of hurt, but particularly from last year's Euro final defeat, the first major tournament they've got to the very final of since the 1966 World Cup. So you can't help but think that this team, this squad, Gareth Southgate, everyone involved in England's setup will have that, you know, that, that extra bit of emphasis towards trying to go one step further this year. 
Yeah, I think so. You know, look, we all know France has got a talented team and, and they've got the, obviously, their talisman in, in Mbappe. But I think France will be, will be fearful of England because, OK, we don't have... We don't have, I would say, a standout performer like Mbappe, but you know, you got Foden, you got Saka, you got Rashford. They're all in form at the moment. You got Sterling coming back into group. Harry Kane, one on one versus the goalkeeper. You know, look, Harry Kane trains against Luis week in, week out, mm. day in, day out at Spurs. He knows what he's capable. Of. He knows, you know, his decision making, what he'll do in certain situations. I think France are actually quite wary of, of this England team. And as long as, you know, as the cliche goes, stay in the game as long as you can. But I think we're, the English fans are just worrying about Mbappe too much. Yeah. And, and, you know, if we can get him going back towards his own goal, he won't be used to that. And if we can just get, get the tactics right and, and, and get at them and not, not sit back like we did against Italy in the, when we went 1-0 up and then we just sat back for 85, you know, 83 minutes. I think that was the wrong tactic to do. We should have carried on going and play the, play the Premiership style of football, that fast, high-press, high-tempo game. Look, you, they're, going to have, they're going to have, what, three days off after this? Mm. Go out there. If, if you lose in this game, you're going home. So you've got to go out there and you've got to give it your all. You've got to leave nothing left on that pitch. So I, I'm 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 back in England all the way for this one. Mm. Should be a bit more positive. Show the show the skill and show the uh, the quality. But England has certainly got in their team. And and Josh really reflecting off what what Jeff is alluding to there. I, I can't help but agree with what he's saying in the fact that you know as England fans we all know the hurt and the disappointment that we go through. Uh, you know throughout these competitions, the Euro uh, 2020 last year, of course, and the World Cup 2018, a semi final defeat uh, through Croatia in extra time. But this year the squad that Gareth Southgate's got uh, you know the likes of Phil Foden Jude Bellingham Harry Kane of course just to name a few because Saka as well as England fans we all know perhaps not to expect too much because it is the expectation that does ultimately hurt you in the end when it doesn't quite come off but if you were to stand back as a neutral Josh do you think that actually this England squad should be feared just as much as the likes of the French you know the Argentinians the Brazilians is this squad genuinely good enough to be competing against these teams? Or, you know, are, are we being a little bit too pessimistic because we know what is inevitably, probably, around the corner? I, I honestly think that there is not one team in this tournament that wants to play. I don't think anybody would want to play England. I think if you look at squads overall, I think perhaps we haven't got the strongest starting eleven, but I guarantee you we've got the strongest bench possible out of everyone that's left in mm. this tournament. And I think... that. As Jeff said, like England fans are weighing this up, and I, th I thought about it. And yes, Kylian Mbappe is probably the best player in the world at the moment, and rightfully he should be feared. But I, th I genuinely think that Griezmann is having the tournament of his life and is just as much of a danger. And I think it's it's the old oh, should Southgate revert to three four three or should we stay with the same formation? When we revert to three four three, and we we basically say, well, the opposition are better than us. Let's contain them and hope to hit them on the counter. This team shouldn't be thinking about that. This, if we go with four at the back and we attack, then we can damage any team in the world. And we are arguably, we're up there with the best teams going forward. Yes, we are slightly weaker at the back than perhaps the French, but perhaps the Argentinians. But I don't think any team in the world would want to play against a front three or four that, in, that has Harry Kane, 
Bakayo Sacco, Phil Foden and Jude Bellingham. And I think I think Saturday, personally, and you know me, I'm always negative, Jake, with results. <laughs> Do I think we'll win? No, I don't think we'll win. I think we'll lose 3-1. But if I, if we won, I really wouldn't be surprised either. I, I, mm. I think it could go either way. Um, and the, the main thing, I think, is, it, again, it will come down to individual battles. If Carl Walker has a good game, if Luke Shaw has a good game, and if one of Jordan Henderson and Declan Rice has a good game, we will win. And I guarantee you that now. If all three of them have a good game, that involves stopping the French and we will score goals. We've seen them concede goals in this tournament and I've no doubt that we will cause them all sorts of trouble if we play our normal football that we have in this tournament and not sit back and give them too much respect. Yeah, plenty of confidence flowing around, not just with, with us three here in the studio talking about England's quarterfinal against France, but on social media uh, as well, rightfully so, after a very strong start uh, to this year's World Cup. 81400 is our text number here on Express FM. If you'd like to get involved, let us know your score predictions and whether you think football is finally coming home this year. Do start your messages with the word Express. You can email sport at expressfm.com, tweet using at expressfm, or find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. Well, we're talking about the quarterfinals, but how did we reach this stage? Well, Netherlands, they defeated the USA by three goals to one last Saturday. Memphis Dubai and Daly Blint on target in the first half before Hadji Wright pulled one back for the United States and Denzel Dumfries uh, sealed the victory for the Dutch. Argentina were 2-1 victors over Australia. Um, Lionel Messi in the first half and Julian Alvarez in the second to secure that victory. France, tomorrow's opponents for England, they secured a 3-1 win over Poland last Sunday. Olivier Giroud on target in the first half with Kylian Mbappe scoring a brace in the second and a Robert Lewandowski pen in the 99th minute just a consolation for Poland. On Monday, Japan took on Croatia and took them all the way to extra time and penalties after a one-all draw. However, it was Croatia, the uh, 2018 finalists, who won that one by three goals to one on a penalty shootout. Dyson Maida and even Perisic on target for both sides in 90 minutes. Brazil, the favourites for the competition this year. 4-1 winners over South Korea, Vinicius Jr. And Neymar penalty, Richarlison and Lucas Paqueta all on the score sheet in the first half before Paik Sung-ho in the second for South Korea. Again, just a consolation. The biggest upset of the round of 16 uh, took place between Morocco and Spain. A nil-nil draw, which sounds pretty boring, but it was actually, I think, quite an entertaining game. Morocco and Spain. Morocco, what an incredible tournament they are having. And they ended up beating the uh, 2010 world champions by three goals to nil on penalties. And it was Ashcraft uh, Hakimi with the cheeky Penenka penalty to win the shootout um, by three goals to nil. And then later that evening, the final round of 16 tie, Portugal defeating Switzerland by six goals to one. Cristiano Ronaldo benched for that one with Goncalo Ramos in his place. He ended up scoring a hat-trick with Pepe, Rafael Guerrero and Manuel Akanji as well as Rafael Liao also on the score sheet in that game uh, with Ronaldo coming off a bench not too happy himself. So it is Croatia versus Brazil, Netherlands against Argentina, Morocco, Portugal and England, France in the quarterfinals of this year's World Cup. Uh, Jeff and Josh back in the conversation. Jeff, out of all those teams, who do you think? Uh, and let, let's let's forget England because we all know it's coming home. We all know we're winning it, don't we? Who do you think out of those seven teams remaining are more likely to win the World Cup? Brazil. 
<laughs> yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. You look at that, what, you know, the Richardson goal the other night, that was two centre-halves pinging that ball in like they, like they were attacking centre-midfield players. Unbelievable. Absolutely. You know, look, Brazil are always favourites for a World Cup, aren't they? But they're just on fire at the moment. Yeah. And, and whoever wins this World Cup, Josh, there will be history made. Uh, Croatia, of course, if they end up winning it, it will be their first ever World Cup victory. Brazil adding a sixth star uh, to their to their crest, six time uh, winning it. That would be uh, quite an achievement. Netherlands, they'd also win it for the first time, despite reaching three finals previously. Argentina, it could be Lionel Messi's first ever World Cup. Likewise with Portugal, could that end the, the Messi slash Ronaldo, who is better to beat Morocco? Now, what a story that would be. It doesn't really need describing why that would be a phenomenal achievement. And France would be the first back-to-back winners of the tournament if they win it. And of course, England, football coming home, uh, that would create some sort of history, Josh. So whatever happens from here on in, it, it makes for an interesting, you know, final sort of quarterfinal, semi-final, final sort of setup, doesn't it, over the next seven or eight days? It does. And I think you look at some of the performances throughout the tournament, you would, you would, uh, well, you'd say that actually the last 16 probably were the t- was the, uh, the knockout stage where teams finally showed their hand and showed how good they can be. Brazil were unplayable the other night, as Jeff said, like centre-halves creating goals and it looked like a Brazil of years ago that everyone knew would played proper, almost like tiki-taka football. Um, the French looked very good. And as you alluded to earlier, I, I Morocco, I, I thought I read some comments from Rodri after the game, who typical saltiness, turned around and said, oh, they didn't try and attack. They didn't offer anything. Watching that game, Morocco had the best three chances of the game. Yeah. Yes, they yeah. sat back and yes, they soaked everything up, but they looked brilliant on the counter-attack. And it's, it's always fun in a tournament like this to have a team like Morocco who they're not just there for the experience. I, I, I was reading that their their manager has only been in charge about, I think it was two or three games before the tournament. He went back and got Ziyech um, selected mm. again after the previous coach refused to play him. And not only do they counter well, they, they, they're they having fun. Like, And there is no reason why they can't cause Portugal tr- problems as yeah. well. I think for me, as a football purist, we all want Brazil Argentina in the semi final because I think that game would you'd it would probably be one of the most watched games of all time, and you know it can kick off as well, so yeah. that would be the perfect semi final um but yeah i think I think that the last sixteen showed just how much quality some of these teams have when you think the early stage of the group stage it was all a bit dull, all a bit oh this isn't the greatest World Cup, and it took until the final stages of the group stage. For, for the tournament to really come to life. And I think since those last games of the uh, group stage, this tournament has actually been great fun. Yeah. And of course, uh, looking ahead to the semi-finals, which will take place on Tuesday and Wednesday evening. The winner of Croatia and Brazil will take on Netherlands and oh, Argentina on Tuesday night. And then on Wednesday, the winner of Morocco-Portugal will take on the winner of England against France. And I think really reflecting upon what Josh is saying there. We all want a Brazil-Argentina semi-final. That would create some spectacle. And if it, if, it, if football isn't coming home and England aren't going to win the World Cup, then uh, I think the, the, the sort of perfect scenario for a, a football, the sort of aesthetically pleasing scenario would be an Argentina-Portugal final, wouldn't it? Messi versus Ronaldo one more time. Possibly their final World Cup for each of them before they uh, end up retiring. 
to settle the debate once and for all. That would be quite some, quite some viewing, wouldn't it? But it doesn't matter because uh, we'll we'll hope at least that football is coming home. We can dream. We can dream. It all starts tomorrow, seven o'clock. England against France in the final uh, quarter final tie of this year's tournament and uh, that is it for part two but fear not we'll be right back with even more World Cup talk in the third and final part of the show so don't go anywhere and join us right after the break This is the Football Hour 93.7 Express FM Go by bus Go greener with Stagecoach Next stop a cleaner greener future Did you know that if we all ditch the car and switch to a bus just once a month for a year, we'd save the UK 2 million tonnes of CO2? Switch to bus, because by switching, you can make a big difference. Get on board a stagecoach bus for a cleaner, greener future. For more information, go to switchtobus.com. This is the Football Hour, 93.7 Express FM. A very good evening and welcome back for the final time tonight to the Football Hour here on Express FM. Brought to you by Stagecoach Across the South. Visit stagecoachbus.com for more information on the services they can provide you as well as what they are doing to make their transportation cleaner and greener. You join myself, Jake Smith, alongside Jeff Harris and Josh Sweetman on the Football Hour tonight and we will be previewing England's uh, quarter-final time the World Cup against France tomorrow evening, kicking off in just over 24 hours' time. That is a 7 o'clock kickoff on ITV1. 81400 is our number if you want to get involved tonight. Text your name and your message, starting with the word express. With your score predictions or anything you'd like to add to the show, you can email sport at expressfm.com, tweet using at expressfm, or you can go to facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. So... We have already summarised what is going on between now and tomorrow evening in the quarterfinals of this year's World Cup. We've spoken about who will be facing who if so-and-so wins, who will be taking on who in the semi-finals next week, and of course what that ne- what that means for England and France tomorrow night. But how did England get here? Um, Josh, a 3-0 win over Senegal on Sunday evening. And quite frankly, that was the kind of boost that we needed as Pompey fans after a a severely disappointing trip to Adams Park. And that game against Senegal, the African champions, they they won the Africa Cup of Nations not too long ago. It was not going to be a walk in the park for the three Lions. But in the end, they did make sort of like work on it and putting a very, very impressive display. We did. And I I, I mean, I'd raise up for the game with a few mates that were adamant that we would it would be a stroll in the park because Senegal as you said AFCON champions a good team pace power very direct and I think the first 20 minutes of the game actually exposed where where we could actually have issues tomorrow I mean Carl Walker looked a little rusty early on um, obviously that's going to happen because he's, he's just coming back to full fitness but for the first 20 minutes, we, did, we didn't quite get going. We gave it away sloppily at the back. Maguire did a few times. And actually, Pickford made one of the best saves of the tournament so far um, from Dia. I think as the game got going, it, it sort of showed that our tactical discipline and our creative ability was levels above that of the Senegal team. And the goals we scored, we, we sort of cut through them. I mean... Two of them for midfield runs um, and breaking away. Obviously, the first, Jude Bellingham making a fantastic run. And the second, again, Bellingham get, nipping in first and carrying the ball forward. And when we do that, as I said earlier, we've got the players in that front three or four that 
are probably some of the most destructive players at the tournament. Uh, Foden has to start every game for me because it, it's just a different ball game. When he's got the ball, he wins fouls. He, he carries the ball when he's technically so advanced that it creates opportunities for others. But yeah, I think I think the three three goals that we scored again it instills more and more confidence. But that will only be confidence, as I said, if we keep the same formation and we yeah. play the same way and don't retreat and give France too much respect. Let's go through the goals uh, from Sunday then. Jordan Henderson on the 38th minute, opening the scoring uh, via a Jude Bellingham ball from the left-hand side. Wonderful delivery from Jude Bellingham and what a player he is as well. Superb uh, performance from him on Sunday. He's having a great tournament, still only very young as well, currently playing for Borussia Dortmund. But uh, a great ball into Jordan Henderson. Harry Kane on the 45th uh, minute, or plus three minutes of added time. Uh, Phil Foden assist, great breakaway goal uh, to double the advantage heading into the, uh, the halftime break. And then in the second half, Bakayo Saka in the 57th minute, sealing the victory and England's place in the quarterfinal. Phil Foden yet again with an assist. We talk about Phil Foden, um, Jeff, and, and Josh mentions the kind of Rolls-Royce player he is, advancing the ball forward, and he's just a B-Tech Jay Mingy, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Jay Mingy so. there, he'll, he'll do the same job. Yeah. No, look, look, this this England team are... We talked about the golden generation of Lampard, Gerrard, you know, Owen, Rooney, and all that. This, I feel, is the real true golden generation of English football. Okay, you know, Josh alluded to it earlier. We may be a bit weak at the back, but we are so strong in that in that final third mm. that you know, if it clicks if it clicks tomorrow and and we play we play to our strengths, we play to our best capacity we can do. I I think we like I said, I think we're going to give France more more to worry about than what they're going to make us worry about. Yeah, and and speaking of of a squad, and that's a, certainly an interesting claim, Jeff. And I, I don't think I'm t- I'm too far off with uh, you know agreeing with you there in terms of the golden generation. Th- this side is absolutely you know packed with talent or and certainly potential. You know the likes of of Jude Bellingham, John Stones, of course, still still quite young. Connor Cody, Trent Alexander Arnold, um, you know Aaron, Aaron Ramsdale coming through. Nick Pope, Jordan Pickford, always excellent for England. Mason Mount, Connor Gallagher, really. You know, there's plenty of names to pick from, but really the only sort of older players, um, you know, the more experienced pros within that side, you know, Jordan Henderson, Harry Kane, um, Marcus Rashford, I-, I guess. But, you know, these are players, Jeff, that will still be here in three and a half years' time when the next World Cup comes around in, in the USA, Canada, Mexico in 2026. Yes, we've still got to qualify for that tournament, assuming we do. This will be a very, we expect it to be a very similar squad, um, if, if they continue with their progression and, and fulfil their potential. But not only will they have the quality that they've currently got, they'll have the, the experience and the know-how of an extra three and a half, four years. Whereas you've got sides like Germany, um, Spain, OK, maybe Brazil might be a bit of an exception, but even Argentina, these sides are, are ageing. They're, they're top quality players like you know Lionel Messi and Angel Di Maria. They're not going to be here at the next World Cup. These England players probably will. Yeah, definitely, you know. And and I think what what bodes well for this England team is that quite a lot of those youngsters were at the Euros. They were at the so they've they've had the heartbreak of the Euros. Mm. They've they've they, they, they've come into this World Cup and they're going. They don't want to go through that again. And, and they've 
they've experienced that at right at the beginning really of their international careers mm. and they know what it feels like so that's what's really spurring them on they don't want to feel like that again and and look you you rattled off a whole host of teams there that are that are aging squads this adding to their croatia this adding to their belgium as well you know this england this current england group could be the dominant european team in the next world two world cups and certainly the most uh, you know the next european championships as well yeah Absolutely. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I agree. Um, Josh, are, are we getting a bit too ahead of ourselves? Are, are we, are we, are we correct in these statements? Is there a genuine reason to be excited for the, the, the pool of talent and the players that that England have got? Are you, are you confident that maybe we can fulfil these potentials and go on to have success in the next few tournaments, or, or do you think that maybe that might only come with? You know, a, a change of manager. It's not something I particularly want to talk about, but it's something that a lot of England fans have been crying out for, particularly after you know the, the Nations League misery and the relegation to to League B. It's not really a tournament we're, we're too focused on. But is this a side that will only grow and and actually succeed as they should under a new manager? Are you still confident that Gareth Southgate is the one to lead Libra Free Lions forward? I think it's a really tough question. I think if you'd asked me before the tournament, I was convinced that this would be Southgate's last. Uh, hurrah regardless of whether we won it or regardless of we got knocked out early especially the latter um, but the, the thing is you can't when it comes to tournament football you just can't fight Gareth Southgate off because he continues and continues to do well when it, when it comes to those crunch moments I think my, my biggest concern with Southgate is players won't get picked on their performances for club despite how much he says he doesn't pick on reputation he 100% does um, you, that's that's evident in the likes of Maguire walking straight back into the team. It's evident in a couple of other players. However, these players don't let England down. Maguire's had a great tournament so far. Pickford, ne- like, I actually think he's had a very good season this year. Probably didn't last year, but he never lets England down. And I'd like to see in his, his 50-odd, I think it's his 50th cap coming Saturday. He might have had one or two more. How many clean sheets he's kept. Um, so I think, I think it would work either way. I think keep Gareth because I think the players really, really respect him and really love him. However, I do think that there could be a manager that would get more out of this generation. And I I, I don't think I'd be as far as to go say that this generation may actually be better than that golden generation, other than perhaps in defence. It's a tough one, but it'd be a damn good game if they played against each other. Um, But yeah, I think... The, the person I would have wanted is Graham Potter and he's gone. So I, I, I don't think there's many out there at the moment that would offer more than Southgate currently does. So I think you look at it and tournaments, are, he's, he's brilliant at the tournaments and regardless of what happened Saturday, he will have the respect of the whole nation. As I said, we don't, a lot of England fans don't expect to win. And I think going into that, that's actually a positive. Don't expect to win. But again, we feel like we should win because we have such rich attacking options. So it's a bit of a uh, flip of a coin. But I think I think that yeah, it, whether Southgate stays, Southgate goes, this this generation really is talented. And absolutely taking nothing away from, from, from Gareth Southgate, but it is certainly a talking point. Of course, um, fourth in the, in the 2018 World Cup, third in the 2019 Nations League, second in the Euros last year. What's, what comes after fourth, third and second? First. Gonna win it. 
going to win it. Gareth Southgate has done a fantastic job when it comes to tournament football, perhaps not in the Nations League or particularly you know, implementing the style of football many might be accustomed to, but when it comes to the World Cup, there's just a different sort of feeling. I think those sort of emotions and feelings get knocked out of a window. Once you're in the moment of a, of, of a sort of you know, a game moment, a scenario, all of your attention, all of your focus goes towards singing, singing the songs, singing the anthems and, uh, and willing England on. So, yes, yeah, certainly, certainly a chance for England this time around. And I think, Jeff, more than anyone, we've spoken about the heartbreak this England side had to endure last year in the Euros final at Wembley. But particularly Bukayo Saka, who, you know, it was his penalty, the, the, the determining one in that game. Um, it was saved and, and, and England ended up losing that one to Italy uh, in the shootout. You could see, uh, you know, Bukayo Saka alongside all of the England players. And I think everyone back home watching absolutely distraught, in tears, not being able to really get a hold of himself, uh, you know, in that moment. And um, unfortunately, and, and you know, completely wrongfully so, receiving a lot of stick and criticism and... Uh, and really being targeted on, on social media as a result of that. I think, Jeff, more than anyone, if England are to win it this year, if it does come home, we can dream. If it does, what would be the perfect scenario? Would it be England against whoever in the final with Bukayo Saka scoring the winning penalty or just the winning goal, something like that? Would that be Yeah, you know, perfect? it wasn't just... I, I, I look back at that game and... and you know, it should never have got to extra time and penalties. We we just sat back in the first, you know, after we after we went one and up, and it was just after that we, yeah, you know, every every England fan was screaming at them to keep going forward, and they just got deeper and deeper and deeper. That I'd love us to get to the final one. I'd love any one of those three penalty takers to score the winner. Um, you know, I'd like all three of them to be involved. You know, the initial pass the assist, and then one of them to put it in the back <laughs> of the net. And that would be the ultimate redemption story, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, so, England against France tomorrow evening uh, in the quarterfinal of the World Cup. And, uh, of course, a win for the three lines would, uh, would secure them a semi-final spot for the second time in a row in World Cup competitions. Third time uh, consecutively in a knockout tournament. And they will take on either Morocco or Portugal. But a big task ahead um, for Gareth Southgate side in Qatar tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock. They take on France. We've spoken earlier, Josh, about Kylian Mbappe. We've mentioned uh, Antoine Griezmann as well. But no Karim Benzema in this tournament. Um, arguably one of France's biggest and uh, most kind of threatening, threatening outlets apart from Kylian Mbappe. But they do have Olivier Giroud, who in this tournament has recently um, become the French all-time leading top goal scorer. Um, uh, in, in international football, so we we can't really underestimate what he can bring to the table either. No, you can't. And there's, I mean, it, it's quite a strange one. I, if you said Benzema would have been available for France for those six years that he was banned, or six or five six years that he was banned, you'd probably say he'd be sitting where Giroud is now in terms of France's all-time leading goal scorer. It's a hell of an achievement from Giroud. Um, do I think that he's the player Benzema is? No, I don't. Do I think he's a bigger threat? No, I don't. I think that what he does bring to the table is he is that target man that if you think back to, and I'm not going to compare the two because they're miles apart, but you think back to that jacket team that missed out on the playoffs <laughs> yeah. when you had Ollie Hawkins up front. Yeah. And as I said, I'm not comparing the two <laughs> because Ollie Hawkins is in League Two and Better. Olivier Giroud's an international goal scorer. But <laughs> Hawkins was in that team primarily to bring others into play. 
And if he scored a goal, like it, it was fantastic. But he was the reason that Jamal Lowe and Ronan Curtis ticked. I think in his France team, Giroud obviously fantastically chips in with goals, but he is the reason that Kylian Mbappe, Antoine Griezmann, and obviously in this tournament, Usman Dembele, they have such a threat going forward because they all play off Giroud, the big man up top, who can bring others into play. And I think you look past his goal-scoring record, it's actually his ability to bring those forward players into play, which is the main danger. So I think in the job of Declan Rice and Jordan Henderson, if they both play tomorrow, which I hope they do, is to stop Giroud dropping in deep and to stop him then connecting with those front three players. So he's a fantastic player. No doubt that he's he was brilliant when he was in the Premier League and he is a goal scorer, but he's not as good as Benzema is. And I think if I was Stones and Maguire, I'd be thinking that myself, personally. Right. Unfortunately, Josh and Jeff, we have reached the conclusion of this evening's show. Thank you both very, very much for joining us on the Football Hour tonight. England against France tomorrow evening, 7 o'clock kickoff on ITV1 for a place in the semi-final of the 2022 World Cup. Canberra Free Lions build upon and use last season's disappointment in the Euros as a bit of momentum, a bit of, a bit of courage to go at this game full strength, really positively towards the reigning world champions and secure a spot in the final four. Time will tell. This time tomorrow, we'll be approaching kickoff in Qatar. In a few moments' time, Netherlands take on Argentina in the second of today's quarterfinal ties. But of course, the big one tomorrow, England against France, 7 o'clock on ITV1. A score prediction, please, if we may. Josh, we'll start with yourself. I know earlier you said 3-1 France. Is that something you're sticking with? I tell you what, it'll either be 3-1 France or 1-0 England. We'll take the latter. We'll take the latter. Josh, appreciate your time tonight. Thank you very much. Enjoy your weekend and uh, enjoy the game tomorrow night as well. I'll try. Cheers. We'll try. We'll try nervously. Uh, Thank you very much. Josh, Jeff Harris as well. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your commitment of calling in this evening. Have a fantastic one. Um, Your score prediction, please, if we may. I'm going 2-1 England. 2-1 England, yes. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Um, I'm going to go for a 2-1 England win after extra time. We're going to make it a bit more difficult, going to make it a bit nervy, but we're going to secure our place in the semis with a 2-1 win after extra time. Jeff, thank you very much. Have a great weekend, my friend. And you. Once again, a big thank you to both Jeff Harris and Josh Sweetman for joining us here on the Football Hour tonight, where we have previewed England's big quarterfinal World Cup tie against France tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock. No Pompey action this weekend. Their League One fixture at Accrington Stanley has been postponed on account of a frozen pitch at the Crown Ground. Next up here on Express FM, Colin Mosley is back with Express Floor Fillers right after the news at 7 o'clock. I will be back on Monday night to preview Pompey's Papa John's trophy tie against Stevenage on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, Pompey fans. Take care. Enjoy yourself.